Welcome to part two of Bonehead about 90s cartoons. We've got the Uncle Buck's Cheesy Poofs. These aren't as good as the, the generic ones I bought it. Oh, you hit the thing. My, I know, my you elbow. You hit the thing with your elbow. Now, those are fabulous if Uncle Buck will sponsor us. Come on, John Candy. <laughs> you know he's dead. What? No, I mean John Candy's fine. This is an alternate universe. <laughs> Uncle Buck, though. I will say this. I will Not say this. Uh, I was going to bring up Camp Candy in this episode, but Camp Candy came out in 1989. It did. So the bark of the tree by <laughs> I stole by firelight. Which uh, Camp Candy would have fell into our second category of uh, cartoons for the 90s. So if you watched our last episode, yeah. loser. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> you su- superheroes. Thank you for re- uh, reminding me to recap. So basically, what we decided uh, when writing these out is that we wouldn't follow our normal procedure of just listing three of our favorites um, because there are so many great cartoons in the '90s that we actually de- broke these down into four categories. Last year, la- last episode, we basically discussed superhero cartoons for the entire episode. Um, but so we're going to move on to our second category. These are the cartoons I like to call the belly laugh cartoons. Um, <laughs> exactly. Oh, 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 and a little. <laughs> Did you just Wizard of Oz? A man can scrub up, Matt. A man can scrub up, man. away in the gay old land of Oz. Gosh, it's a Family Guy reference because they're see Oz is also that prison ship. By the way, you might want to look. Did the Oz kids come out in the nineties? I didn't bother to look that up. Um, Do I have to? No, you don't have to. <laughs> Uh, but uh, in the 90s, cartoons were able to experiment with the type and level of humor they could put on the air during during this time. Uh, before this decade, cartoons were limited to hacky jokes that you only knew were a joke. Because... Excuse me, listening audience. <laughs> no! Excuse me, listening audience. Hold on, I can't get it. Hold oh, on. He can't Hold get on. it up. Oh. There we go. Oh, he oh, finally there. popped it. I was professional and opened mine up before we started recording. Uh, but uh, no... Uh, Cartoons were limited to hacky jokes that you only knew were a joke because they were a laugh. They had a laugh track or a <gasps> pratfall. You know, the Sopranos would have benefited from a laugh track. Yes, it would have. <laughs> uh, thank you for not saying Schindler's List. Oh God! <laughs> I tell I you, so. I giggle every time I see that red coat. Oh my oh, God. God! That's the second time you've made that joke, and it's still not funny. <laughs> I laughed. Dur- Did you laugh just now? The, the dead person behind the wall is giggling. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, during the 90s... <laughs> <In a red> <laughs> <coat>. <laughs> 360 war back. Uh, I'll enjoy my time in purgatory for that. No, but uh, during the 90s, cartoon humors got more adult-oriented. It did not play down to the children who were watching. The humor also reached the surreal and allowed those watching to explore various types of humor that were previously not available to them at that age. So... That sounds tawdry. Yeah, James, do you want to start with yours on, on this, on this, or do you want me to? <laughs> go ahead and go. Uh, I'm, I'm actually coin flipping between a few, so I want to see where you go first. Okay, I'm going to mention a cartoon that aired on Nickelodeon between 1994 and 1997. Ah! Real Monsters. How'd that go again? Ah! Real Monsters. They do a really better... They um, Do they? What's the, what's the famous scream? Uh, the Wilhelm well, scream. Wilhelm scream. They use that in the opening. Once again, I know what the Wilhelm scream. Why do you have glitter on your forehead? I've been dealing with uh, with strippers. No cart uh, Christmas decorations for the last. What's three the difference hours. between that and strippers? <laughs> you, I, I got nothing. Mm. Don't have to plug a stripper into the wall. 
You've obviously been to the wrong club, my friend. Get away from my Diet Dr. Sorry. Pepper tent. I saw you trying to te- touch it. So, Ah Real Monsters um, was created by somebody who will be brought up in another category. Um, Gabor Chupo. He's Hungarian. He is really he is really prominent in 1990s animation for various reasons. Uh, and Peter Gaffney. Uh, writers of note for this show, Michael Price, David Litt. Marsha Gray Rubin, Mark Palmer. Um, and basically, uh, the show is about a trio of friends who are dealing with the complexities of being children and also monsters. Um, they are in a monster school learning how to properly scare the human world, and not at all of their homework goes as planned. This, so they ripped this off from Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. ripped that off from All Real Monsters. Are you sure? This came I out don't first. think the Pixar people would do that. Um, there is, John there... Lasseter gave me a hug that lasted too long in the elevator and said that he <laughs> wouldn't do that. <laughs> now, you have Timely. to be really on the inside to get that. But you Timely. Know, you know, seriously, there there is a, a controversy about did Pixar steal this from... It's from, very familiar. It is. And, and a lot of the elements are very familiar to this cartoon. Um, they're monsters... Um, Sorry, I said it already. Our main characters were Ickus, voiced by the, the amazing Charlie Adler, who uh, I got to briefly meet at Comic-Con this year. A lurky, uh, he, each monster had, so the monsters each had a type. They were, they had, monsters were categorized by how they scared people. So okay. Ickus was called a lurker. Which, by the way, don't ask me. <laughs> it's actually what I've been called several times. Don't ask me why this category is called a lurker. But He, he does he, the creep. He could increase his size tenfold, grow fangs, and his eyes would turn red. John Waters. <laughs> Nakatomi. Um, Oblina, voiced by the amazing Christine Cavanaugh, who was a, she was a snake-like monster who could pull her guts out through her mouth. Very cool. Um, I think I got like that once. Yeah, she pulled your guts out. And probably my and favorite. Stomped on my heart. And probably my favorite monster is Crumb, voiced by David Eccles. He was he was a very chubby monster who held his eyeballs in his hands, um, and he had uh, and when he when his hands were up in the air, his armpit hair shot out really far. Uh-huh. Uh His powers were to scare through stink. And that was your favorite. This was one of my favorites from the nineties. I'm just no that particular character. Yes, that from particular that character. Show. We share a lot in common. I have no. Well, your armpit hair is more prominent than your head hair. That is true. In that I still have some. Of course, <laughs> my back hair is more prominent than your head hair. Of course, the peanut butter sandwich hair that I have is more prominent than your head hair. You stole that from Craig. I hope you're I happy. did. Craig Dennis it up. Um, they were guided. CD. They were guided in their adventures by their teacher, the Gromble, a four-legged blue dog-like creature who had a fondness for red high heels. Keep going. I am now intrigued. Uh, um, some other uh, uh, prominent people to mention who voiced uh, uh, Tim Curry was in the episodes, quite a few episodes. Also, James Belushi. Um, as I mentioned before, there were certain there was a controversy. Um, that still exists to this day, and um, that a certain Pixar film stole this show's concept. Concept for it is a certain, very familiar. It is very familiar, and there's the um, it's not the same in that Monsters Inc. They they scare children to to basically provide energy for their their city. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, in an episode of uh, Ah Real Monsters, it's revealed that they scare to exist. If they're not scaring humans. They disappear. This just sounds darker. It is. And um, a lot of the humor is dark. 
Um, it it it's it's really there's there's a really great episode um, where it's called "Where Have All the Monsters Gone?" Yes, it's a parody of that song. Um, where they decide they decide they don't want to scare anymore, and then suddenly they um, so the monsters are just sitting around. They're just sitting around existing, and all of a sudden they start disappearing, and the Gromble has to go into this pit. That contains all the essence of the monsters to figure out what to do. Every time you say Grumble, I think Bumble, and I have uh, Yukon. Uh, Yukon Cornelius? Cornelius. You damn Grumble! <laughs> does he, is that what he calls the Yeti? No, he calls it's it Bumble. a Bumble. It's a Bumble. He calls it a Bumble. Why does he call it a Bumble? Because that's what it is. It is it's it's Bumble. Bumble. Why is it a Bumble? That's what they don't it's call it a Yeti. It's they clearly call it a, a Yeti. Bumble. Yeah, he didn't call it that. He calls it a Bumble. That's well, dumb. Actually, he didn't grumble. Actually, it's a takeoff of the fact that it's abominable, but he yeah, can't he say it because he calls it a Bumble. Bumble. Okay. They're, they're, we're going to take. I all really of the hate grumble. that cartoon. How do you? Hate I that? hate Rudolph the Red, Red Nosed Reindeer. That's Rankin and Bass. Man. I know it's the late, it's my least favorite Rankin and Bass. No, they did some shit. Oh, I'm turtles. sure they have. I don't. Well, did. I don't like Rudolph. If you say one bad word about Heat Miser, I'll come across Chad. Yeah. Heat Miser. Heat Miser. The two brothers, Heat Miser, and I don't know that. I don't know. The, the, he's ice. Um, anyway, some of, back on to 90s cartoons, because that is, what, 60s? Yeah. Um, some of we my, can, they were ranking in bass. <laughs> some of my personal favorite episodes of All Real Monsters, Cold Hard Toenails. Because in the monster world, their currency is human toenails. <laughs> I could give them Fort Knox <laughs> right now. Well, in the middle of the night, they'll, they come and collect them. Uh, but basically, Itkus finds a stash, a suitcase full of of uh, toenails. And, and he, he opens it, it up and it glows. Exactly. And he holds it and he hides it. And he goes into the monster, whatever. I don't want to say Trump Tower because screw that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate Tower. Yeah, yeah. Um but um, yeah, so he goes into he go, he goes and stays in this luxurious, and then he he runs out of toenails. I just realized I didn't set our timer. What? So uh, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? We'll figure it out. Um, I'm not very smart. There's also Mayberry UFO where the monsters. Are, <laughs> yeah, but they're the monsters go to scare these country bumpkins, and they're mistaken for aliens. And then rather than be scared of the, them, they're trying to chase them down. Is it Mar- Mayberry RFD? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, Crumb gets a head. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> this is this is an ep- I'm intrigued. This is where an ep- did Crumb get such head? This is an episode where Crumb basically uh, he tries to scare a movie producer, and the screw the movie producer is not scared of him, so he hires him as an actual monster. <laughs> and then essentially, as with everything in Hollywood, they get tired of him, and he can't. And basically, he has to go back down into the sewer. Um, and you only scare twice. But uh, All Real Monsters is a personal favorite of mine because I didn't have cable as a kid. I didn't have satellite. I lived out in the boonies. I had three uh, channels. Uh, you were 10 minutes from I-64. Yeah, but there was no cable there. Was no cable there. Um, seriously, there was no... Couldn't you run something to the interstate and catch a ride? I wish. But no, um, we didn't have we we didn't have that capability. So um, I, I got introduced to All Real Monsters by going to my cousin's houses. And I would actually get up in the morning to... And, and watch this when I could when I when I knew I was going to be there because I knew what time it came on, and I never got to see all the episodes until till just recently when I bought the box set, and man, it still holds up to this day. All right, James, what do you got? You know, there's one that I almost didn't want to bring up, or wasn't going to bring up, but I think I need to. 
because Animaniacs and all that, which we'll get to, is pretty well known. But one that's kind of been forgotten was Tasmania. Oh, that's a good one. Tasmania. I love Tasmania. I, I did not put I, out of the 80 something, 70 something cartoons, I did not put that. I forgot it, about it. If you don't know Tasmania, it's Taz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it deals with him in his home country of Tasmania. Uh, and, and it's basically you get to meet his family. And it was one of the ones that um, not Spielberg produced, not Amblin. Um, broke the fourth wall a lot, though, like a lot of the Spielberg ones. And it taught us such things as Taz can talk normally if he wants to. He just chooses not to. Um, but the Chaz was basically raised by Bing Crosby. Did you say Chaz? Chaz. You did say Chaz. I am. I was saying Chad. I think, if you will. At Taz? Yeah. Or Chaz Bono? That's no. who I was thinking of, if I was to um, be honest. Yeah. Chaz. Taz was voiced by Jim Cummings. Uh, but, and Maurice LaMarche was Hugh who was the Bing Crosby. He was Taz's father, who told him to drink some good Valencia orange juice. And that actually was in the show. And then he go, hey, buh, 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 buh. Yeah, he would always do that. Hey, buh, 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 buh. Um, but I never watched it. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it. I he, know exactly what you're talking Literally, ba- his father is based on Bing Crosby. Yeah. Um, to the point that it also had him always uh, golfing, bowling, and over-explaining things, and then he would literally end with... This is blah, not blah, the blah, last blah. one we're going to talk about that was based um, on somebody from the 30s and 40s. What's <laughs> funny is, though, uh, the uh, Drew Tasmanian Devil, which was his uncle, was based on Bob Hope. And so they did a lot of bouncing That's between... Well, they would do road uh, picture jokes. Yeah, yeah, basically. But it also pulled in a lot of other comedians. Um, there was a hotel that Taz worked at part-time... That was ran. Let me go ahead. He's he, God. I, there's not an episode we can get through without having to say something like this. It was ran by Bushwhacker Bob, <laughs> who was all about profit. Bushwhacking. Yeah. Well, and he was based on Basil yeah. Fawlty, who was played by John, John Cleese, who was based on an actual real yep. person. Can we talk real quickly about the fact that there was a WWF tag team in the '80s called the Bushwhackers? Yep. Yep, yep. Joe's nose. <laughs> For those people listening, I am doing the bushwhacker dance. Yes. Uh, Dan Castellaneta. I who, can bushwhack if I want to. I can do, 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 do. I don't remember the rest of the song. Would you like a cheese poof? Did you just do the safety dance and yeah, change it to bushwhackers? Yeah, that's not part of the song. Yeah. That's not at all part of the song. Would you like... You why don't you poof? use your Googles like you did in the previous episode? To look <laughs> because up. you all don't like my favorite heart song. Um... Other other characters in the show it. was Didgery Dingo, who was a self-serving dingo, who uh, the only thing he shared in common with Chad, uh, T- Chad, Dan- Taz, <laughs> was that they both collected bottle cap. But Dan Castellaneta, who Homer Simpson played, I'm on your mind. <laughs> played, played Mister Thickly. You're also on his butt. <laughs> what? what? Mister <laughs> Thickly what? met my bushwhacker. Yeah, Mister Thickly. Who was a multi-talented, funny, energetic, and upbeat wallaby who also works at Hotel Tasmania. So, there were tons of other characters. Francis X. Bush Lad, uh, Buddy Boar, Bull Gator. Bull Gator was voiced by... I got attacked by Bull Gator. Bull Gator was voiced by John Aston, And that's why uh, he can't hear out of his right ear. Now, it happened after a con. Um, it was voiced by John Aston. Really? John Aston voiced Bull Gator, and he did it as the old... I mean, he did it very much as John Aston. Um, other Looney Tune characters would make cameos. Usually, but you know as, about John Aston? 
He's all better now. No. Night court. Night court. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why don't I own that? I don't um, know. You need to so I can borrow it. The other Looney Tune characters occasionally make cameos, but usually it's Deuce X Machina. I mean, they would show up and just fit Bugs Bunny. Isn't it Deus Ex Machina? It is Deus. I, um, Yosemite Sam appears only via phone call. Foghorn Leghorn. Deuce Ex Machina um, is, a, is a machine poop. Deuce. <laughs> Deuce's ex machina. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. Bonehead's out. Deuce's ex machina. Falkhorn Lakehorn gets called by Bushwhacker Bob in an episode. And Marvin the Martian comes to Earth on vacation. And Roadrunner makes a cameo. Um, it ran for 65 episodes over three years. But it's kind of been forgotten because most people remember the Animaniacs and all of that. But it was. But they are totally insane Yeah. But I, so I wanted to bring it up because it was one I didn't think about till we were sitting here, and I was like, "No, I remember Tasmania. I remember laughing a lot at Tasmania, uh, especially when they would break the fourth wall, and you got a lot of you know the, the even the classic Taz. Why for did you hit Taz on head with whatever? They would break the fourth wall, and he would elucidate and then to discuss it more. So I wanted to bring up Tasmania. I have a hard time bringing up it. your big words because you didn't say deuce right. Well, um, so I said deuce right. I just didn't say dance right, you inbred hill jack. Go back to Slack Joe McCraw. So uh, this is actually going to tie into mine perfectly because since he's bringing up uh, Looney Tunes characters, I'm going to, and I noticed that Tasmania was produced by Tom Ruger. I'm going to talk about an, a series that was created by Tom Ruger, Tiny Tunes. Never heard of it. Uh, created, uh, start, it ran from 1990 to 1995. Directed by a lot of talented people. Um, again, first I'm First partnership with Amblin. First partnership with Amblin. And by the way, I will mention this again. Get on IMDb. Look up Tiny Toons. Look at all the amazing talent who directed, wrote the show. It is fantastic. One note about the, a director for one episode. Alan Smithy. Which episode? Who was the real director? I, I could not find it. I looked and looked and looked. So, for those who are unaware, Alan Smithy is a pseudonym directors use when they don't want their name put on a show, either for they hate it yeah. or some other controversy. We've talked about it on the show before. There's actually a documentary about the Alan Smithy uh, pseudonym. Burn Hollywood Burn, right? Well, no, that's the actual movie. There's a movie about it called Burn Hollywood Burn, an Alan Smithy film, which we could do a whole episode on because it ended up... Being directed by Alan Smithy. Yeah, um, but the 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 episode it's that was so di- meta. But the direct the episode stars Eric Idle. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the episode that was directed by oh I didn't oh really? Mm-hmm. I just keep saying oh really because she keeps on. Oh dude, I could do a whole episode. It's fascinating. Oh, but um, uh, Alan Smithy. Uh, the episode directed by Alan Smithy was actually Strange Tales of Weird Science, and featured one of uh, Plucky Duck's al- uh, alter egos that I really liked, the Toxic Revenger. Plucky Duck. Um, but as I mentioned, it was written by a lot of creative writers. I'm going to, start, again, look them up on IMDb, but I will name Paul, Dini, Paul Denny, who also did a lot of work on Batman the Animated Series. Sherry Stoner, who, again, is an amazing talent who does not get credit because she works in animation. Um, and Tom Ruger himself. They, but All three of them wrote a large portion of the episodes. Some of the voice actors. Charlie Adler, Trace McNeil, Frank Welker, Chris Summer, Maurice LaMarche. Again, he did Dizzy, du- he did Dizzy Devil. And Joe Alasky. Um, Not me. No. Uh, the show consisted... Of, so what was Tiny Toons, for those who might not be aware of what Tiny Toons are, was uh, the show consisted of children that were descendants of famous Looney Tunes characters. They attended Acme University 
and their teachers were the actual Looney Tune characters. Every episode involved them getting into madcap adventures both in and out of school. The show managed to capture the comedy essence of Looney Tunes, but also managed to make some more heartfelt moments. Um, did you know there's actually an episode of Tiny Tunes that's banned? No. There is an... Ap- um, I did not look up the title of the show. I apologize, the title of the episode. But um, the episode that's banned actually involves Buster Bunny, Hampton J. Pig, and Plucky Duck finding a bottle of alcohol. They proceed, I remember that episode. They proceed to drink the uh, um, the bottle of alcohol, and they go on a drunken stupor. These are little children going on a drunken stupor. Uh, they drive. Um, they slowly descend into an alcoholic blackout. And the episode can include, uh, uh, wraps up with them being homeless hobos, still drinking. Is it... It is a very dark episode. Is it on the box set? So it is. It is actually in the DVD box sets. You, it, they did not leave it out of there, but it will not air on television. You know, the other thing though I want to bring up about uh, Tiny Tunes is it was one of the first shows that also did the uh, every episode ended. There was hidden stuff in the credits. It was always the last line of the credits. And and one of my favorite ones. I loved when they did music videos because they did an entire episode where they did They Might Be Giants videos and they yep. did Particle Man and Istanbul. Um, but the Particle Man one is the best one. <laughs> the, uh, but I love that episode. But they also did one where they would, that, because they were made by Warner Brothers, the classic Warner Brothers music, and they did uh, Yakety Yak and um, The Name Game. And Money. And, and I love The Name Game one because the end of that episode... The, the little pop-up tab says, Name inadvertently left out of the name game song, Plucky. <laughs> Joe doesn't get it. I mean, there, there I was get a, it. There Rock was a, there was a, there was a long pause there where we <laughs> yeah, were... Say, there is, there, yeah, I get it. See it visually. Um, um, but, yeah, so I'm... Waiting I, for you all to say something. Now, speaking of which, there was a brief spinoff of Tiny Toons, which was the Plucky Duck show. Yep. There's also another spinoff that's a combination of another episode, another show we're going to bring up too, but I'm going to hold off on that one. Um, What? You got, well, go ahead and finish your history because I have a question. No, um, I'm just going to listen to some, I'm just going to listen, list some of my personal favorite episodes. There's Hollywood Plucky. That was the uh, episode where Plucky, uh, Plucky has a movie script and so do Buster, Buster and Babs Bunny. And he finds out about it and he is racing to Hollywood to get there before them so that he can, he can pitch his movie so he can get on the air before theirs. And, um, they end up having to do odd jobs around Hollywood to get to the producer. Uh And, um, so, and that's where the episode's really cool because you see animated versions of famous Hollywood people and their, um, for example, shares featured in it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's an scene where he has to park the Batmobile. (laughs) Yeah. And he wrecks all the cars. Trying to park the Batmobile, and uh, Bat, uh, Batman comes out and he's like all buff, and he unzips itself, and out comes a short Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite episodes, and, um, but one of my personal favorites is called Fields of Honey. Now, what Fields of Honey was? It was an episode that featured Babs Bunny. Um, there is a mentor day at school, and basically all the characters team up with their archetype. So Buster goes with B- uh, Bugs Bunny, Plucky goes with Daffy. Hampton goes with Plucky, Dizzy Devil goes with the Tasmanian Devil, so on and so forth. And we realize Babs has no one. She is actually the only character in the show that doesn't have an archetype that she's built off Mm -hmm. of. So she goes and looks for a mentor. She cannot find one. And she's in despair. 
and she doesn't know what she she doesn't know what to do and she goes into the vault and and a, a mysterious voice kind of like in field of the dreams and tells her to go to this area and she finds these old cartoons that are supposed to have been from the 30s and yeah. 30s and 40s silent um and they're called honey cartoons and there's this female character and she determines that is who she wants to be her mentor and she it's all about her trying to find honey and um it is it is a really when you think about cartoon characters and how they go into obscurity, it delves into that topic and kind of makes them real. Uh-huh. It, it is a really personal episode. Okay, is that the episode that actually features what was the Warner Brothers cartoon that was? Because Disney has had Oswald, yeah, Oswald. the Lucky Rabbit. What was the one that Warner Brothers had before Bugs Bunny? Because I think he's in that episode. I honestly don't know. Because I know there is an episode that features him, and they track him down, and he's been forgotten. Maybe it's not that exact same episode, but at the end of the episode, basically they find a bunch of old films that he's in and they air it at the university yeah. and it brings him back because mm-hmm. he's getting old and forgotten. Actually, no, that's that's Fields of Honey. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, because she, she wants to bring Honey back and she, she, she wants to show everybody this amazing character and she basically does a marathon of films and the, and the laughter brings her back to full life. Yeah. Uh, because in the cartoon, she's, she's so forgotten that she's basically, uh, mm-hmm. where, what happens to the cartoon, she basically is a, dissolved into an old woman. Um, Sawdust and Tonsils. Uh, inside Plucky Duck. Um, sorry, in, Sawdust and Tonsils. Uh, Inside Plucky Duck, The Return of the Acme Acre Zone. They did a couple episodes where it was Twilight Zone based. Um, the Return of Acme Acre Zone actually features a Blade Runner ripoff called Real Kids Don't Eat Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really cool. Uh, Viewer Mail Day, that's where they, they supposedly take requests. Bosco. Bosco was the name of the male character. And you're right, it is from Fields of Honey. Yeah. Bosco was the original. Bosco was the voice guiding Babs to find the, the and, Honey cartoons. And Bosco, it was Bosco. If you go back, you can watch the old Warner Brothers. I didn't know Bosco, Bosco was a real character back in he, the day. Yes. If you That's fascinating. Um, the return uh, Viewer Mail Day, which was a, a fake thing where they read Viewer Mail and they based episodes off the Viewer mm-hmm. Mail. Uh, New Character Day. That is an episode where they actually just created characters on the spot and did a uh, did a, a brief five minute cartoon on those characters. Like there was a, fl- a, f- a flea family who they did a character on, and then lastly, Henny Youngman Day. It was real. It was Henny Youngman, the comedian. As I know, a, I get it. As as a as a rooster who came in and uh, was a substitute teacher and he told jokes and he basically introduced the the the, the three cartoons for that day because some episodes. Featured two to three cartoons instead of one 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 cartoon. Real quick, uh, did, you didn't mention Citizen Max, the Citizen Kane parody. I almost did. That's that's a good one. All right, James, what do you want to bring up? Uh, well, before you go, yeah, the thing, and I know you guys are going to talk about Animaniacs, but I'd like to say, as a person who's not a, a huge, I, I, you know, you guys got vast more vast amounts of knowledge about this than I do. Well, about this and other things. Well, <laughs> well I, I didn't care that much for... Uh, Tiny Toons? No. I, I enjoyed Animaniacs, but did not care that much for Tiny really? Toons. You know, yeah, I, I did. I, as a kid, and when I was, I was starting to become a young man, I, I thought Animani- Animaniacs was funny. I do love the inside jokes. I think Animaniacs, when I was younger, had more of them. Mm-hmm. Is that true? That is true. Oh, yeah. Those was what I looked for. I did not care that much for Tiny Toons. See, I was ten when Tiny Toons premiered, so um, I was right at that peak age. And I, I actually own every single episode of Tiny Toons. 
and I just rewatched them, and they still hold up for me. Well, and there's so many different things that they do, you know, that are of that time. There's there's the Tales from the Crypt overlay. There's, mm-hmm. um, and there's little jokes that you know you don't catch as a kid as much. Like there is one where it shows Bab's family. And it's, it's, it's there's tons of rabbits. There's tons everywhere. of rabbits, yeah. And and it's yeah. you know the joke breed like rabbits and all that stuff. And as a kid, you're like, wow, she has a lot of siblings. As an adult, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. That's Which, why. by the way, another thing, Buster Bunny has no family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, there's so much from that. Uh, and like I said, you bring up Animaniacs, and and I guess that's kind of the direction that I'll go next. But I want to bring up actually, kind of the Steven Spielberg's universe because they do all take place technically in the same in universe. the same universe. Uh, so you've got Tiny Toons, so you had the Plucky Duck Show, you had Animaniacs. Yep. Um, and if you've never seen Animaniacs, get out from under a rock. I don't know what to say. No, yeah. but but basically the plot to Animaniacs is the, the Warner Brothers, well the Animaniacs is an overarching thing. Uh-huh. There's tons of them. It covers the stories. It Basically it was like Merry Melodies or Looney Tunes. Yes. It was an overarch that included the Warner Brothers, which is what most people think of when they think Animaniacs. But it also included... Slapping the squirrel, yeah. Um, but you can call me Princess Fe- anyway. Um, the good feathers, uh, the good feathers. Mm-hmm. Slapping the squirrel though is one of my favorites. Yeah, slapping um, squirrels. Uh, uh, and even some that never got a lot of airplay. Uh, Tina Kaboom, which was a teenager <laughs> that when she loses her temper explodes. Yeah, and every and every episode, every every time she featured, every time it was her having a meltdown, she her build up to exploding was always different. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, Minerva Mink. And the the dog that worshipped her, um, I mean, there were a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I'll, I'll get in trouble for not mentioning who was the singing ones. Rita and Runt. Rita and Runt was part of that. And Seems then there like was you're missing two big ones, but I'm assuming well, you're saving those for later. Yeah, um, they got Pinky their own the spinoff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Pinky. Well, and that's what. I, yeah, they definitely got their own spinoff. But you know, it, it's one of those they things. Definitely got their own spinoff. Definitely, De- definitely, definitely, definitely happened. Definitely. They got two um, spinoffs actually. The Snickers they did. cost a five thousand dollars. They they did so. Um, but the Animaniacs, so most people think of the Warner Brothers, uh, which was a huge hit. And you mentioned this already, but I wanted to bring it up. I love Tiny Toons. My father could have cared less. But when Animaniacs came out, my dad didn't get home from work till 6.30. And I, he used to make us record them on VHS tape. Because he thought the the Warner Brothers was hilarious. And he actually said it just reminded him of having to deal with me, my brother, and my sister. Mm-hmm. And he said our personalities were mirrored in the Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. My brother talked all the time. He was Yakko. I was always talking about food and wanting to just do stuff like that. And then my daughter, or my daughter, my sister. Ooh, that got creepy. <laughs> my sister's daughter. <laughs> my sister. Can I start smacking you? Uh, <laughs> so your sister wife did what? It's Chinatown, baby. My sister. <laughs> Can't do anything, Jake. There's a Robert Pulaski fan um, that's laughing now. They but, don't listen to the show, though. That's because and, they're so, watching a comedy. As you said, Animaniacs spun off Pinky and the Brain, and that actually led to Elmira Pinky and the Brain. Brain. And the final one that most people don't pay attention to is Freakazoid, which is actually one of my favorites. I love the Warner Brothers. I love Animaniacs. But Freakazoid was one of the most self-aware, most weird shows that made it and I don't know how it made it. Do you it. guys have a copy of that? Uh, I do. Actually, I just ordered it because I've been watching old VHS copies still. Uh, oh, shit. While you guys were talking, I was going to look up Night Court. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> I'm out. Never mind. You're out what? Um, Nothing. 
But so, Where, did you just have a stroke? You I stood did. up, basically. <laughs> if you're listening, and went, I'm out. I forgot we paused recording, so I thought but we were screwed. There's actually an episode of Freakazoid that I love, and it's it proves that all these take place in the same universe. And the entire episode is dedicated to the fact that Buster Bunny and um, the Brain show up, and the entire episode is dedicated to which one of us does Steven Spielberg love the most. Oh, okay. And the episode is them going on a quest to find Steven Spielberg to make him tell them which one he loves the most. But Freakazoid, he, it's kind of a superhero cartoon as well, but yes. how did Freakazoid, what is Freakazoid? So Freakazoid, Dexter Douglas, yes. and they use that name because of Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. Dexter Douglas oh, is a nerd, a high school nerd, who is into computers, and unfortunately there is a special computer chip basically mock, mocking the Pentium processor chip commercials at the time um and they are made incorrectly but they say don't worry the only thing that could happen to trigger this would be that you'd have to hit this completely random set of keys in this order to trigger an accident unfortunately he walks away from his keyboard and his cats mr nub nub or something <laughs> walks across the tat walks across did you the make keyboard. that up or is that the real name no it's actually worse than that matter of okay. fact they had to change it after the first mr. episode nub nub they had to change it after the first episode because they realized it had a sexual overtone. Originally, the cat was called, and let me look at this up because I don't want to get in trouble. Do later. I need to take your phone away, Joe Lewis? Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. What night court was going to cost me? <laughs> hold on. No, Joe's going to explode when I say this. In the pilot episode, the Douglas's morbidly obese cat was formerly named Mr. Chubbskids. <laughs> <laughs> they changed it later to be Mr. Chubbykins. I swear um, to God, he brings that up. I The cat got out this afternoon, and if you've been watching <laughs> this show for a while, you know the adventures of the, my fat-ass cat, Ash, right? Who gets yeah. down here from time to time. There's a lady walking by, stops, out on the walking trail, goes, Holy hell, that's a big-ass cat! <laughs> <laughs> and then Ash, Ash goes in the corner, and he's <laughs> Cheetos and cries. <laughs> it's a hey, glandular man, issue! Get out. Yes, ma'am, but, he's being a he looks rambunctious. It kept on walking. But all these shows had in common uh, a sense of self-awareness. The Animaniacs, some of my favorite lines from that was they would go and meet historical people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pablo Picasso, and he has a monogram thing. Is like, Do you know you got PP on your smock? Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, conjugate, I've never even kissed a girl. All these <laughs> stupid lines. And Freakazoid took that and went ten times higher. There's an entire character. Stephen First did the voice of it. Flounder from Animal House. I'm well with her. Called Fanboy. Why are you educating me? I'm Why not. You I'm just saying. Your Fanboy was the character he played, who was somebody that was obsessed. And he attacks Freakazoid because he sees him as a hero at a uh, convention. And, of course, this would be one of my favorite lines. He's throwing stuff at him. And like, hey, here's a first edition X-Men comic. Here's a Superman comic. And he, there is a guy signing autographs at a table, and he grabs him, and he goes, here's a somewhat mint condition, Harlan Ellison. And he throws him at him and runs. <laughs> Obviously, that's only funny to me, but... Well, Harlan may have laughed. But it's one of the things that... Uh, Harlan liked cartoons. The Yeah, well, and again, the voice characters they got, the Loeb, which was one of his vill- main villains, was voiced by David Warner. Again, David Warner. Third and, time David Warner's been And they, they made one. fun... They made fun of all the things about comics. There's one where you see them falling from a rooftop, and you, it focuses on the ground where you know they're going to hit, but you hear David Warner goes, It's only a rooftop. Why is it taking this long to fall? 
And the Freaky Story goes, it's dramatic tension. No, it's boring and stupid. We're wasting the audience's time. <laughs> and so Animaniacs did that stuff. So I, I lumped them all together because I think that's, the, I mean, of the belly laugh type shows, these did it. They, The majority, or actually all, th- all of those did come from Amblin. So it's Steven Spielberg's partnership with Warner Brothers being able to use the classic characters. And they were stupid, silly, and all of them had that hidden thing in the credits. But, uh, and they do all overlap. Like I said, Buster Buddy pops up in Freakazoid as does the brain. Uh, Elmira was in Elmira, Pinky and the Brain, which was the, sp- uh, the continuation of Pinky and the Brain uh-huh. as a series. And they all ended up on Kids WB. Yeah. Um, which is probably why uh, Freakazoid didn't last too long. You're forgetting one too, by the way. Uh, well, uh, real quick, Freakazoid though also has another history. If you're familiar with, um, there was some controversy because the outfit looked very similar to an actual comic book at the time, which was Mike Allred's Madman. Oh, really? Um, and uh, the the history of that is he wasn't upset till the show went off the air, and he said the show creator. Bruce Tim, this is quoting him, was kind enough to tell me that Madman was a direct inspiration for the show, with comics open and referred to when developing the show. Stupidly, I was flattered, happy to inspire anything. But when the show came out with no acknowledgement or credit or any kind of compensation, I slowly became annoyed as everyone and their uncle confronted me with, well, there's this cartoon that's ripping off Madman and Yada Sue. I simply wrote a friendly letter to show producer Steven Spielberg telling him his production was a direct lift of my creation. I had no intention of creating ripples. I just wanted him to know what I that I knew. No one replied, which is fine. And to be honest, Madman is itself an amalgam of a half a dozen other influences. So who am I to complain? The exclamation mark on the chest still kind of irks me a little, though. A little too close for comfort. So there was some controversy over that. And as he even said, it was the fans that pointed it out more than he did. Um, but it did only run two seasons, but again, as you pointed out at the beginning of our last episode, that was also when animation was dying away as, as a major Saturday a Saturday morning, morning animation yeah. was dying away. And so Freakazoid kind of disappeared with that, what's but that the, was the end of it. What, what's the one you were going um, to say? He's was, talking about how, like, all these tie together, he forgot one, Hysteria. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was, a, which was a cartoon that had shorts based on historical elements. Are either one of you going to talk about Pinky and the Brain? I mean... You sort of briefly hinted at it, but yeah, we can talk about Pinky and the Brain. Do you, do you have anything? I on? know the history of why it was made. Did Go you all it. look it up? No, I didn't look that up because I thought James was going to. Well, I thought you two would, but I was like, well, this is really the only one that's dear to my heart. So, Go for it. Yeah, because Pinky and the... Because I'm glad... Because I, I was hoping somebody did. Pinky and the Brain... Pinky and the Brain was actually inspired by the peculiar personalities of the two producers of Tom Ruger's earlier show, Tiny Toons. Oh, really? Yeah. Eddie Fitzgerald and Tom Minton, respectively. Ruger wondered what would happen if Minton and Fitzgerald tried to take over the world. Fitzgerald, who also worked on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the Ren and Stimpy show, was said to have constantly said, NARF and EGAD <laughs> around the Tiny Toons production office at all times. The gag credit for the Tiny Toon Adventure episode you asked for credits Eddie Fitzgerald as the guy who says NARF. <laughs> really? Series producer Peter Hastings described Eddie by saying he has always greeted you like you were wearing a funny hat. (laughs) And he liked it. The Fitzgerald-Minton connection to Pinky and the Brain is shown in the episode Pinky and the Brain Reunion Special. Two characters shown as writers for Pinky and the Brain cartoons within the short are caricatures of actually Fitzgerald of Minton. Can you look at him? He's so happy he got the talk. His his cheeks are glowing. (laughs) 
know. <laughs> I just that's the one thing I found. You know, <laughs> you know these Wikipedias. <laughs> But while Ruger initially based the brain after Minton, the Wells connection came from oh, Maurice Orson LaMarche. March. Yes, absolutely. A big fan of the actor-director who had supplied the voice of Orson Wells in the 94 movie Ed Wood. Now, can I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Because uh-huh. that's one of the best episodes of, of Pinky and the Brain is they literally go into... So, uh, Pinky, uh, P, the brain has this um, idea of putting, uh, basically recording a, a radio program and, and hypnotizing yeah. the world. And they recreate a famous scene from Orson Welles doing a, a radio ad and just completely breaking down the director, the producer of the show. And they verbatim, Maurice LaMarche knew this verbatim, and he basically repeated it for this scene. Yeah. So yes. verbatim, there is a scene between Pinky and the Brain that is literally Orson Welles being a complete and total jackass. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, and he does it verbatim. And he's actually done it since then Yes, on podcasts and stuff. Um, he says it was 65% Orson Welles and 35% Vincent Price. Where does the Vincent Price come in, I wonder? I don't, I mean, hmm. Uh, was made explicit in Andy Maniac's episode, Yes, Always, which was based on an outtake from one of Welles' television commercials yeah. about Frozen Peas. Yep. Uh, this Which cartoon is, was described by Peter Hastings as a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar inside joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, the, the the funny part about that, and, and speaking of Maurice Lamarche doing that voice, that will come up in something that I'll talk about more with the adult oriented or the adult friendly. Yeah, because they do the same reference to the P commercials, except they alter the lines where oh, they're even better raw. <laughs> no, no, that's what the best part of it is. You can taste the rich green, <laughs> rich green penis. Oh, that's disgusting! And then he starts eating the girl. Or, or there's there's a ton of illusions. There's the, there's an episode called the Third Mouse. It's a parody of the Third, third Man, Man yeah. right? Right, and uh, Battle for the Planet. And uh, anyway, I just if you don't if you're a huge Pinky and the Brain Brain fan, and you don't know anything about Orson Welles. Take a second, YouTube Orson Welles. Maybe ten minutes, yeah, and then go back and watch it. And you're, I'm, you I'm did, with James. I can kind of hear a little bit of Vincent Price in it when he nails that he says it. Yeah. I can hear a now little I, bit. Now of I, now I can. There's a little bit, but he says it's sixty five percent Orson Welles and thirty five percent. And he just walked in and thought he looked like Welles. He thought the brain looked like Orson Welles. The um, I do want to say one more thing about. Freakazoid, if you've never seen it, let me go ahead and tell you, if you ever do watch it, you need to look for somebody. And I know those that are listening can't see this, but those that, or those that, yeah, those that are listening can't see it, but if you're watching it, even look at my iPad right now, that character is called Emmett Nervend. Um, yeah, just Google Emmett Nervend. And the funny part about that is he never has a line in the show, Freakazoid, but he appears in every episode, and sometimes he appears multiple times, to the point that most episodes end with a hidden thing in the credits somewhere about how many times he appeared in the background huh. in different shows. And he has a very distinctive look. And they gave him a name, they gave him a backstory, but it's never actually said on the show. Hmm. It was just something the artists liked to draw. So they put it into every episode. I think we beat Amblin to death. Yeah. yeah, no, I was about to say, and that, I wanted to lump it all together because I thought if we divided it, does need it to be all together. together. Yeah. It, it gets a little complicated. So now, anyway. Now, James, do you have any more you'd like to mention before we move? Because I'll, I'll just start listing off some and then we'll um, move on to the next topic. Uh, that's all the gag ones you have? That I've written up, yeah. I had, uh, I had All I, Real Monsters and Tiny Toons. I have a couple other ones. 
um, that probably deserves some mention. I, I do want to talk about one that I love that have been forgotten. It was not done by Amblin. Um, I don't believe... No, it was done by Warner Brothers, but not Amblin. Um, and that's Road Rovers. Which I mentioned in the superheroes portion, so go ahead. Uh, Road Rovers was a really stupid show, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it was about Kano Sapiens... Uh, which basically were dog. They were normal dogs, but they put on suits and became overpowered and all that stuff. Uh, they, they their villain was Parvo, <laughs> and, and I loved that because it was so funny. Because Parvo had an, a nagging cough he couldn't get rid of <laughs> to the point that his battle cry was lozenge, <laughs> lozenge. Um, and Jim Cummings did the voice of Parvo, and the groomer was another villain who was the assistant of. General Parvo, and the groomer was voiced by Sheena Easton. Wow. MTV Sheena Easton? Yes. Um, So the basic plot, though, was that the master, who was Professor Shepard, worked with Parvo. They were working on developing a thing. Much like Fantastic Four, things went wrong. Parvo became a villain uh, and thought that Shepard was killed, but he actually was developing these dogs to be superheroes and they uh hunter lives with the president of the united states and has a dog house that he uses to transform colleen is a collie from the united kingdom blitz is a doberman from germany uh exile is a siberian husky from siberia shag is an old english sheepdog who doesn't talk and my favorite who was voiced by frank welker was muzzle a rottweiler who had to be constantly muzzled and whenever things went bad, they just relieved the mu- removed the muzzle, and he would freak out and and basically effectively kill whatever they were fighting. Wow. Um, Road Rovers was a very very weird show in that they would occasionally break the fourth wall, um, and it did a lot. Like the characters, the Austrian dog was even the the theme song. He would break into the theme song and remind everybody how perfect he was. He actually has a line, I'm perfect, in the in the uh, song. Was it a half-bad Australian um, for a I half know, second? It's, it's, perfect. Uh, it's better than mine where I go, Walters all stick my thing with these crooks ice. Uh, That's better than mine. I have a terrible one. All I really do is Cockney and, and Christian Bale's Batman. I want to hear your Australian but, accent. Go. Australia. Real quick. Really? <laughs> even though Even though it wasn't oh, no. linked... <laughs> Yo, American B. <laughs> I can't do it. It sounds yo like you're having a stroke. American B is, uh, it's like having, uh, see, I keep going to a British one. It's like having sex in a canoe. That's, that's because it's effing it's, close it's to water. It's fucking close to water. Um, <laughs> Tom Merger actually developed this. It was written by him, created Still by him and Jeff Gordon. <laughs> that being said, Bruce? even though it wasn't made by Amblin, it featured cameos by... Pinky in the Brain, and Miss Flamille from Animaniacs. Huh. Eh, that's interesting. Is it? Flamille! Flamille! Um, but yes. Something, something, yes. something. You're gonna do it! Actually, I thought you were actually doing the Road Rover theme, Mark. And scratch and sniff and ratch and that, 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 that. What? So, yes, I, I wanted to bring it up because it is, even, like I said, even though it wasn't Amblin, it used a lot of Amblin because Tom Ruger helped develop it. Uh, it only lasted one season because, again, the heyday of, of that was ending. 
Um, but it developed a cult following, and it aired on uh, Cartoon Network for two years, and now they put it on DVD, and I need to pick it up. Yeah. What's, okay. your, what's your honorable mentions? Okay, so honorable mentions in this category. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah. Cow and Chicken. Johnny Bravo. You guys are just blazing right over these comedy, all of these Cartoon Network ones. Yeah. I'm just saying, we've got some fans out there that love them. Well, we're just mentioning them. Uh, Cat Dog, uh, Dexter, La- Dexter, La- Dexter's Laboratory. But Dexter's Laboratory was fun. Yes, it was. But I didn't do any research on them. I picked. I picked. But you, I, I know. I just find. Okay. We did. Uh, we that did all real monsters and tiny tunes. Um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That I can't believe you don't give me a dissertation about that. I wanted to, but then I figured because I'm not doing Dexter's Laboratory or Cat Dog, I can't do it. The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, ain't. <laughs> Angry Beavers, Eek the Cat, Tailspin, and Goof Troop, Dog City, and the Adams Family. You blew right over the... I just think... All right. I want to name one more in a little bit more detail because nobody remembers this one. That was my favorite. It's actually why I tweeted Disney today saying, Hey, when Disney Plus comes out, this better be on it. You mentioned Tropical Punch, sir. I give you its animated rival. The Schnookums and Meat Comedy. Uh, A funny cartoon show. Um, so Snookums and Meat was, and, and this was, I put this in no, belly laughs. No, you're going to give me crap for not bringing up Dexter's, doing research on Dexter's laboratory, which by the way, you could have done it. I honestly thought you guys were going to do it. No, uh, but he's going to, wait till you bring, wait till you hear this one. Go ahead, James. Snookums <laughs> and Meat, funny cartoon show. I laughed out loud every time this was on. And the reason this is under belly laughs instead of the adult was, this was Disney's answer to something that we'll get into an adult friendly, which is running standard yeah. spoiler. But Disney was like, oh crap, this is a huge success because when Ren and Stimpy came out, it was the top cable show for a while. And Disney was like, we can't have them beat us at animation. So they greenlit the Schnookums and Meat funny cartoon show, um, which was, and they admitted, was a answer to the Ren and Stimpy show and Rocco's Modern Life. Which you also didn't mention. It's coming up. The, okay. Yeah, jackass. That's that's. Why am I a jackass? Because you're that, a jackass. He's got you there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it involved every episode had three segments. Jackass. One was Schnookums and Meat, and Schnookums <laughs> and Meat was a cat and a dog who do not get along very well. Their un, their owners are unseen, hearkening back to Tom and Jerry, a bunch of that stuff. The one I remember better and that I love, and I've got to say it like they say it in the cartoon, Pith Possum Super Dynamic Possum of Tomorrow. The um, It was a spoof of Batman comics. And it was Pith Possum mm-hmm. and his sidekick, Obadiah the Wonder Raccoon. And they fought crime in Possum City when called on by the commissioner, the commissioner, Stress the Gorilla. Um, say that for me one more time. Before we get to Stress Gorilla, what was the name of the possum... Obadiah the Wonder Raccoon. Oh, uh, Pith Possum. Pith. No, no, no. The Obadiah, Obadiah the Wonder Raccoon. Yes. Pith Possum fights various enemies with his reoccurring uh, with reoccurring ones being a mad lumberjack named Dr. Paul Bunyan. Doris Deer is his love interest. And every episode made fun of a, a basically a Batman the Animated Show cartoon title. Including ones like The Phantom Mask of the Dark Black Darkness of Black. Return of the Night of Blacker Darkness, Return of the Dark Mask of Phantom Blackness, 
And Jim Cummings did the uh, the narration for every episode. And you that. didn't like any of these, Chad? No. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something that I was gonna admit after this is not what I thought that show was. I remember that show now. Yeah, it's pretty good. That, Why don't you own it? It's never been released. It's never been released. Never. Why don't you own it? I think why don't more you, resourceful. Why don't that. you talk about some Dexter's laboratory? Because I thought you MFers were going to talk about it, but you clearly blew right um, past the Cartoon Network. The 90. final one. You didn't even do the powder puff. See, I did that on purpose. The final <laughs> I mentioned one. Mentioned them in the superheroes. Was somebody obviously was it Text Ten Star, the best in the West, which was Disney's answer to um, Rocky and Bullwinkle, specifically Dudley Do Right. The Deadly Do Right connection. Penelope. Um, and it was a parody of Wild Wild West serials involving the cowboy Tex Tenstar, voiced by Jeff Bennett, his horse, here boy, <laughs> and Texas friend, Smelly Deputy. Smelly Deputy Chaffee was his full name. Um, Smelly Deputy Chafing. Yeah, pretty much. He fought the wrong riders, which were led by Rongo, who was voiced by... Brad Garrett. The end of each episode ends in a cliffhanger, a cliffhanger for next week. Again, hearkening back to Rocky and Bullwinkle. And Jim Cummings also narrated that. It only lasted one season because, quite frankly, everybody realized Disney was just trying to compete with Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Uh, and it was too bloody weird. Uh, and people didn't get the serial nature of it. They wanted it to come on and they wanted it to be all episodes revealed it was just too bloody weird uh one thing i do want to say about this so that is relevant he got so he, got, he, he he built up some dr- drama for that so he could say bloody weird uh, ding! What, um I, what was interesting about it though because it is considered a clone and disney's answer to ren and stimpy that was still family friendly uh, but the other part about it was they actually hired a bunch of Spumco artists, and, and Spumco was the one that made... That sounds really dirty. Is the one that made Ren and Stimpy. Be, yeah. Uh, for a while. And then, by the way, Spumco got fired because Nickelodeon took Ren and Stimpy away from... We'll talk about that for the Ren and Stimpy one, which will be in a future episode. Is there any other honorable mentions? No, I, that's all my honorable mentions. So these are going a little bit longer than what we had planned. If you guys are listening... Uh, you can't see, but the people who are watching, there are pages and pages of notes. And James got a new iPad because he's bougie. I wrote this eight. is my old one. It see, it's beat up. I don't know why you think it's new. My it my silly. notes, my notes for '90s cartoons is eight pages long. So I think though we'll come back. So we've now done superhero ones because that was the heyday of the '90s. Yeah. Um. And so today we've done more of the kid friendly belly laugh, belly laugh, which I think is a great way for you all. To, you you. Who, whichever one of you two idiots came up with that, that was good. That was me. Yeah, thank you, idiot one. Thank you. Now I'm going to eat my phone. <laughs> well, uh, it's better get... than your own feces, <laughs> which does... we've become accustomed. That was breakfast. Mm. <laughs> Why does he get to be idiot one? And by Why the do way... I have to use his toothbrush when he's done? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Anyway, gag me with the spoon. Um, you so, keep hitting the damn microphone so, with your, it's I'm not your trying elbow. To. So well, next, nobody thought you were trying to. Next... Episode we will we will delve into adult cartoons which became something in the nineties that became more of a thing in the nineties yes. which was a thing. Are you going to keep saying Fritz 90s. the Cat or what kind of adult Fritz, cartoons are you talking about? What, no, that was, once again that was word funny. vomit. It's all there's also, they did things. There's also word salad. Word salad. You don't know what word salad is? Unless it comes to ranch. It's an actual thing. There's an entire Boston legal episode about it. Is that where oh, you cut so. up a magazine into a bunch of lettuce and eat it? 
No, that's called a ransom note. No. <laughs> what? I don't know. Go back to eating your poo. <laughs> anyway, so that's Never what we're going to that do. Toothbrush. <laughs> that's what we're going to be going into. I've got in, Cheeto dust on me. <laughs> in the next episode, we'll we'll delve into how the '90s became known for a more adult cartoon. Mm. So tune in for part three. Nails cartoons. Part yeah. three, even more. Which this is hopefully more entertaining than Stephen King part three. I don't remember. Yeah, no. Nobody does, which Nobody proves does. it wasn't. <laughs> Nobody does. Well, anyway, share us on your social media. Subscribe, like I've said before, in anything else. And if we left out your favorite 90s cartoon, let us know. After the third after part the, is done, don't the, start your bitching until we yeah, get through this. Yeah, yeah. That, because some of the ones we're going to say adult, you're going to be like, well, that was odd. But the humor was adult, and it flew right over some people's heads. Mm, I can't fly. Mm. Neither could Polanski. Oh! There you go. Polanski couldn't fly, so Polanski died. Can you fly, Bobby? Bobby!